If you would stand or remain standing as we read the word of the Lord from Colossians 3, 1 through 17. It's going to be a doozy. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father or God the Father, through him. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks, Jeremy, for reading. That doozy, is that what it's called? I don't know. All right. Um, I, I tried to buy a clicker this week for the slides, and it doesn't work. So we're going to have one more week of uh, trying to do ESP with whoever's. With, it's, this week, it's Franklin. Last week, Molly. Good job trying to keep up with what I was doing. Um, if you go to the next one, I just want to read uh, today's section from the Creed, as along, sort of along with the scripture reading, um, just before we launch into to this. So uh, we've come to the section of the Creed that in the, Nicaea, or in the Apostles' Creed, it says, He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And that maps onto in the Nicene Creed, same content, a little bit longer. For, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. No. I forgot to write that, though. He did come down from heaven. Make no mistake. For us, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit, and he became human. 
Let's pray. Yeah, this is what happens when Lem doesn't prove my slide. See, this is why, again, why I don't do slides. It's just a nightmare on every front. Let's, let's pray, and then we'll go into the. Father, thank you for this time uh, here together. We ask that you would uh, be present, that you would uh, open our eyes and our hearts to be impressed by uh, the beauty and the glory of what you have done by becoming incarnate and being made human. We pray this in the name of, of Christ. Amen. So most of you know that I'm, I'm a big fan of the TV show The Office. It, was, it came out when I was in college, and I hadn't watched a lot of TV growing up, so it was kind of like my binge uh, entry into TV. And the very last episode of the, of the series has this kind of very fascinating uh, situation where it goes to kind of all the characters and it kind of asks them what they learned throughout the course of this like documentary that they made about their workplace. And one of the characters is this kind of very dorky uh, accountant. Not that all accountants are dorky. That's for you, Dad. Um, and my brother's a CPA too. But So he's the accountant, and he's Kevin Malone, and he's kind of dorky, and he says this. He's kind of sitting, he's got this big goofy smile on his face, and he says, if there's one thing I've learned through this whole experience, it's that if you film someone long enough, they're going to do something stupid. It's only human natural. And then he kind of beams in this big goofy smile. And it's funny, after nine seasons of this normal workplace, you know, TV show, that Kevin summarizes his entire experience basically... It's human nature to do stupid things. It's human nature to do dumb things. As the proverb goes, to err is human, right? And we, we kind of have gotten to the point where we use human almost as a synonym for mistake-prone, right? If somebody makes a mistake, you go, he's only human. We, human has become this way of saying broken, frail, dying. And we use it as a, as a synonym for, the, for those things. Ultimately, to be human is to be kind of mortal, Right? to be subject to death and all the things that that brings. We know that the only two things in life that are for sure are death and taxes. Right? That's humanity is on its way to the grave. And as we wrestle with the fact that humanity means that, that we're human and that means that we're mistake-prone and error-prone and broken and in pain, we try and cope with that. And religions often try and cope with what with what that means for us. And there's two kind of common approaches to try and deal with this in life. One of them is that we, we are hoping that somewhere along the line we're going to shed our humanity and become something better. Right? Mormonism is like this. Jesus, first before us, kind of was a human and kind of worked his way up, and all of a sudden at some point we become beyond human and we get better than that. Um, Buddhism, sort of in a much different way, focuses on kind of transcending our humanity and our brokenness very bad versions of Christianity, right? You've seen the, like, we get to shed our, shed our bodies and go up and live on the clouds, kind of be, be angelic almost instead of human. We get to shed human brokenness and become, and become something different. So that's one way is that we're hoping that kind of we transcend humanity. The other way is, I think, a much more cultural way, and that's kind of we just make the best of it. We just try and, we try and get as good as we can. We try and achieve whatever we can. We try and come together and change the world or whatever it is. And this, is, this takes all kinds of forms. It's summarized perfectly in the recent show, The Good Place, which was this like philosophical exploration of the afterlife. And the whole show is four seasons. It's kind of a, it's a mashup of philosophy and comedy, exploring from a secular perspective what the afterlife is and what the purpose of humanity is. And the summary at the end of the whole show is essentially human beings can kind of try to get as much moral progress as, as possible, and when they're satisfied with their moral progress, they kind of get to turn the switch off and be gone. 
And that's kind of the best that we can do is make as much moral progress and then just sort of recede off into the sunset and be, be happy with it. As you, you know, that's not, neither of those options are the way the Christian story thinks about human brokenness. Humanity in Christianity is not equivalent or synonymous with brokenness. It's not equivalent or synonymous with death. Rather, humans are simply in need, the human nature, human beings are in need of salvation. We need to take the broken humanity and it needs to be redeemed. It needs to be remade. It needs to be restored. It needs to be renewed. All these re-words. It's taking something that is good and has broken and to put it back the way that it was. And that's the, the section of the creed that we're in today. For us and for our salvation. So I want to look at two verses from the passage Jeremy read in Colossians to help us think through this. Okay, Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 say this, if I've written them correctly from the scripture. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. I want you to notice two things about this first half. This thing where do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off. And there's two things that Paul says we've put off. We put off the old self and its practices. Practice is the, in Greek, it's the word praxis, just the idea of the way of life. It's the things that we do. And if you go up, up a few verses in Colossians, you get kind of Paul's list of what those practices are. Go ahead, Franklin, to, the, uh, to this verses 5 and 8, where Paul talks about all of these sins. You have sexual immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire and covetousness. You have anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscenity. These are the, the practices that sort of, in some ways, summarize to err is human. To, to be human in our conception is these things, right? This matches with your human experience. Or maybe not your human experience, Gary, but of everyone around you, all other humans, you experience this. That we're angry and we're, we're full of wrath and we're full of lust and we're full of passion and we're full of obscene talk. Right? You don't have to look around in the world too long. You have to have kids for a second and all of a sudden you're angry. I don't know how it works. You have kids and then you're angry. And you're like, oh, where did that come from? I'm human. I'm angry. Look around the world right now to find out that the governor of New York and the quarterback of the Houston Texans accused of sexual immorality. Right? Everywhere we look, we see brokenness and sin, and this is the practices that go with being, being human, or so we think. But then Paul also says something else. He says to put off, go back to the verse 9, uh, Franklin, he says, you don't just put off the practices, you actually put off the old self. And I guess when I've read this verse before, I've kind of just skipped over that, I'm like, I'm not really sure what that means. <laughs> the Greek word behind the word self, and it actually obscures it, I try not to reference Greek too much, but this is a place where the translation self actually obscures what's happening here. Paul says to put off the old, and it's the Greek word anthropos, anthropos, which is the word for human. To put off the old human is what Paul says. You put off the old humanity along with its practices. The old humanity is the humanity that's characterized by pain and frustration and all of these things that he just described. In the words of Kevin Malone, stupidity and ultimately death. And Paul says we put off that old humanity. And Paul sees that this way of being broken is not innate to human beings. It's not innate to human nature. It's a fallen, sick condition. 
Right? In Romans 5, he says that sin and death entered through one anthropos. One human brought this death and corruption into the world. The, Greek, the yeah, church father Athanasius puts it like this, that Adam and Eve turned from eternal things to things corruptible by counsel of the devil. And they became the cause of their own corruption in death. And when that happened, men began to die. And corruption ran riot among them and held sway over them. And that's the old way of being human, the way that we know, right? The way that's, I love that phrase, corruption ran riot among them and held sway over them. And that's the kind of humanity that we find ourselves in. And for some of us who are very individualistic, we don't really, we don't really like this, that death came from one human. But we see this everywhere, don't we? In families, in nations, in churches, that humans are bound together, that we have this corporate identity and when corruption entered through Adam, it, was, it began to be passed down and it went everywhere. We, we especially see this corporate identity with leaders and leadership. I was thinking of this, and uh, I was actually in the shower this morning, probably too much uh, information, but I thought of this illustration. It's like you have the, the, um, Neil Armstrong walking on the moon, right? And he steps off and he says, one small step for man, one giant step for anthropos, <laughs> right? All of us together took a step on the moon because of what that one person, one human did. And there's this way in which all throughout our world that we're bound together with one another. And we find ourselves in a place of corruption and death and stupidity and pain. And that's the way that we know what it means to be human. But Paul says, put off the old way of being human and its practices. But what we need more than just moral reform, like we don't need to just get better. We actually need a brand new kind of humanity. We need a different human. We need a new human. And that's exactly what Paul then says, right? You put off the old human with its practices and have put on the new human. You've put on the new human, a new kind, a new way to be human, a new humanity. And this is where the creed then steps in to explain what Paul is talking about. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, became incarnate, and was made human. Incarnate means became flesh, took on flesh, a physical stuff. That's why it's coupled here with, the, with Mary, that there's a real birth, that Jesus actually took on physical stuff, our mind and our body and then it says, he was made human. And this is the word anthropos. He was made to be human. He became human. It's quoting, essentially, John chapter 1, where it says, the word became flesh, became human, and lived, dwelt among us. From last week, we have the thing above the line is creator, comes down from heaven. Right? Heaven's not the, it's not talking about a place. It's talking about above the line. Ontologically, things that were uncreated became and took on things that were created. Jesus came down through the line and became part of the created order. This is really, this is really important. Jesus did not just appear to be human. He didn't just take a really, really good human and kind of help him be better and help him do something. This is the person of the, the second person of the Trinity that's been in fellowship with God the Father through all eternity, coming down and attaching himself permanently to human stuff 
to human nature in every form and facet. One writer said it this way, at the very center of the Christian faith is the supreme mystery that the word became flesh. That in the person of Jesus Christ, God participates unreservedly in the same human nature that we ourselves possess. Mind, body, soul, emotions, body, experiences. That he assumed, took on himself all of these things. The ancient church father, Gregory of Nazianzus, said, that which he has not assumed, that he has not taken on, he has not healed. The kind of salvation that we need for us and for our salvation is not just somebody to help us get better. It's not just something to pay for our sin. Our problem is that our entire nature is broken. What we need is an entirely new kind of human. We need a new kind of way of being human. That this corruption that's gone all over, no one who has that corruption can rise above it. We need something, someone, to come down and to remake an entirely different kind of humanity. And Christ, as the, as the person, as the human who took that on, takes all of our stuff on so that we can take all of his stuff on. That everything that Christ shares with us in salvation is a result of our shared humanity with him. I was reminded as I was thinking of illustrations for this, because it seems very abstract to me as I think about it. There's a a scene in The Lord of the Rings, the second movie, where uh, Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli are walking through the forest. And they... um, they notice that some that some they're, they're looking for the hobbits. They're searching for them in the woods, and they look and they're in the creepy woods, and they look ahead and they think they see someone, something. So they're, and all of a sudden this blinding light comes on them, and they can't see anything. They're, and the, they they realize it's a wizard, and they look and they think that it's a bright white wizard, and so they're like all afraid, and they say, "Don't let him speak, because he'll put a spell on us," because they think that it's Saruman, the evil white wizard who's kind of ruined Middle Earth. And all of a sudden, the, the light goes away, and they see that it's Gandalf. And Aragorn says to, says to Gandalf, I mistook you for Saruman, because he was white. And, Sar- and, and Gandalf looks back at him and says, I am Saruman, or rather, Saruman as he should have been. That's the exact sentiment of what's happening with Christ being human. He's fully human so much that we mistake him for a human. Yes, I am human, or rather humanity as it should have been. That Christ is walking the path, doing the things, being the human, the human and the humanity that should have been. Jesus is humanity as it should have been, as we should have been. It's not a brand new way of being human. It's an old way that's been forgotten and corrupted. And Jesus breaks down into the world in this moment where he puts on flesh and he forges a new path, a new kind of humanity. It's not just forgiveness of sins, but it's this comprehensive remaking of what it means to be human and how to be human. And Paul points so interestingly to this. Can you go back to Colossians? In Colossians here, where he says, to put on the new human, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image 
of its creator. Athanasius has this great metaphor where he talks about someone coming and sitting for a portrait to make a piece of art, and then the artwork being damaged. He says the artist doesn't take the artwork and throw it away. Rather, he has the, the person who was drawn come back into the studio and resit for the portrait. And this is the way that he's, Athanasius is talking about Jesus coming down and resitting for the portrait. Right? Genesis 1 says that we were made in the image of God. Made in the image of God. We're a portrait of God. But we got messed up. Our picture of God got ruined and, destruct, and destroyed. And so Jesus comes down now in Colossians, two chapters ago, in chapter 1, Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God. So now we have an actual human being who not only is made in the image, but actually is the splitting image of God as a human, resitting for the portrait to remake humanity. A human who's not just made in, but actually is the very image of God. It's a brand new Human. It's a new way to be human. Athanasius says that the word of God came in his own person because it was he alone, the image of the Father, who could recreate man after the image. There's a lot of different aspects to what salvation means, but at its heart, it is that Jesus became everything for us. Every part of our nature was being remade, recreated, renewed, is the word that Paul uses here. There's a, I want to give you a metaphor. It's going to be, it's not going to be perfect, but it's helped me this week. I'm a football fan, and in football you, all, you have this alienation, I'll use the word, between the owners and the players. The owners always want to pay less money. The players always want more money. So there's this alienation between the players. And I think of this owner who's sitting up in his box and he's watching his team play football, and they're terrible. They can't pass. They can't score. They're throwing interceptions. There's fumbles. They're just, they're just a really pathetic, really terrible, really stupid team. And the owner, I see the owner up in the box, and he looks next to him, and there's his son. Right? And he says to his son, why don't you go down and show them how to play the game? The son goes down, and he puts on the pads, and he puts on the helmet, and he walks out into the huddle, and he gathers the team up, and he coaches them up, and he takes the ball, and he scores the touchdown and wins the game. He accomplishes, on behalf of the team, what the team could not. And then he goes, and he leaves his pads on, and he returns, and he sits down in the owner's box with his father. And in this moment, you have a player and an owner in the same place at the same time. And because this owner is now a player, he's returned for the first time into the presence of the owner, and this alienation between owners and players is now smaller. There's a way for players to communicate with the owner because there's someone who is both. That's a very, very weak metaphor, but it, it gets at a little bit of the heart of what's happening here, that Jesus took on our stuff so that humanity could re-enter the presence of God as a human. So today... At this very moment, there is a human person named Jesus Christ sitting in the presence of God the Father. Our humanity restored to God. J.I. Packer says, nothing in fiction is so fantastic as is the truth of the incarnation. Jesus taking on flesh, forging an entirely new way, remaking every part of our broken humanity. 
And here's what it means. Paul says to put off the old human and to put on the new human, which is being renewed after the image of its creator. Because here's the reality of what Paul is teaching, is that all that Christ has done in the incarnation is available, this access to a new way of being human, we have access to it now. We have access to it now. That our role is to do the work of putting on the renewal that Christ has accomplished for us. This entirely different way of being human that we can actually experience that. In several places in the New Testament, Paul describes it as putting on Jesus. In Romans 13, he says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. It's the same thing. The old way of humanity is kind of nipping at your heels, and yet here is this new way of being human that is accessible to you and to me and to us. In Galatians 3.27, Paul says the same thing with respect to baptism. As many as you, as of you as have been baptized have put on Christ. All, all possible renewal that we can experience begins with identifying with Christ as the new human, the new humanity, the one who has gone before, who has done all of the things that we couldn't do, gone all the places that we couldn't go, felt all the things we couldn't feel. He's become a different kind of human, and he's passing that along. It's so much m- more when we... So many times we read passages like Colossians chapter 3 and we hear Paul say, do less bad, do more good. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, walk in the footsteps of an entirely different kind of way of being human. And Later down in the creed, we see that it is the spirit who is the giver of life who allows us to do that. But Christ is the one who walking in a brand new path, a new way of being human. It means experiencing Renewal with God, a new experience with God because now we have access to him, a new experience with other people, a new way of thinking about ourselves, a new way of living in the world, entirely new way of being human. And Paul gives us some ways, right, the next few verses. Put on then, in Colossians 3.12, right after he says to be renewed, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's the path. The path is Christ, who became a real human being, and is giving his new way of being human to us, precisely in love. Where do you need to be renewed? Where do you feel the brokenness and the error and the death of your humanity? That's the old human. Where do you need Christ for renewal? Are you identifying each morning you get up and remember that there's a new way to be human today? That Christ has carved a new path, a perfect path, and that he's made it accessible to us. That our daily work is to to say humanity is not irretrievable. It is not broken. Death is not innate to us. That we are more than that. We are in the image of God and being renewed in the image of God. I want to just close with 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says something similar here. Because the reality is we know that there's more to come. We can't experience perfection now we can't become a new kind of human now 
We can live in the life of God, but we can't achieve, we can't, we, we don't experience everything Christ has bought for us now. But Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first human was of the dust of the earth. The second human was from heaven. As was the earthly human, so are all those who are of the earth. And as is the human from heaven, so are all those who are of heaven. And just as we have, been, have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so we shall bear the likeness of of the human from heaven. That's our hope, that we will become like Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Christ into the world to allow us, um, to invite us, to participate in a new way of being human, a new kind of human, a human that is right in all the places that we are wrong. Give us joy in it. Allow us to experience on a day-by-day basis the putting off and the putting on. Let us put on Christ. We pray this in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.